Welcome to episode two of Between the Laughs, the podcast described by one critic as sort of like Gogglebox, but they only watch comedies and you can't actually see them or the comedy. Also, all the people are really smug and they're just generally less appealing. Every episode, one of us will nominate a comedy, then the rest of us will watch it and then we'll have a chat. And this is that chat. I am Rob Cowan. I'm delighted to be joined once more by Paul Brunger and Sarah Moore. Hello, everyone. Hello. Hello, everyone. (laughs) So it's Sarah's turn to nominate this week and she's gone for a brand new comedy on Channel 4, Game Face, written by and starring Roisin Conaty. Yeah, so um, I'll be really interested to hear what you guys think about Game Face. Um, I kind of stumbled upon it and I absolutely loved it. Um, And I think I found it hilarious, but I also really saw something in the main character Marcella um that I recognized and sometimes that was a bit uncomfortable actually um <laughs> because it wasn't always uh, the most flattering representation of uh, a woman in her 30s um but I just thought it was really honest um I wanted to be her mate um and yeah I thought it was hilarious um and I actually called a friend who had sort of lived a few single years with in Edinburgh getting far too drunk and far too hungover um, and told her she had to watch it because it was basically those years um, so so yeah I loved it and I, I was just really interested to hear um, what you thought because I do think um, we were talking last episode about male and female comedies and I think this to me felt like a very female comedy it was a character I could really understand, recognise and yeah, it would just be really interesting to hear what you thought. Yeah, I I loved it. Um, I, I I I kind of binge watched it. I, I I inhaled the whole thing over a couple of sittings. It was really uh, really good. I I especially thought it had a very strong first episode. I've got a bit of a fascination with first episodes of comedies and how they introduce characters and their backstories and so on. And I think they they did this really well. But also, I think they did uh, they did it in quite a different way uh, using the uh, the the suicidal co-worker on the roof as an opportunity for the lead character to explain her entire backstory and how she got up to that point. I think that was such a different way of of shoehorning in all this information so that we're brought up to speed. Yeah, I I thought it was really uh, clever from that point of view. I also thought a really clever way of getting a lot of the exposition out there was um, having a therapist. Um, and so Marcella had the opportunity in talking to him to say all sorts of things that it would be quite um, difficult to get out just through dialogue with, with her friends. What did you think, Paul? So I um, I kind of came at it in two halves almost. So I actually struggled at the start a bit more, which might have been because when I was, I was watching this on On Demand and accidentally watched the... Uh, watch the pilot, which is has the same fundamentally the same roles, sometimes played by different actors, which probably added to my general state of confusion. But I would say by the end of episode two, I was sort of thinking, oh well, this is sort of okay, but I'm not sure it's it's for me. And then actually, I kind of really turned around over the the course of it. So I think the stuff that I liked in the first two episodes was still there, uh, and they really kind of developed some of the other stuff. I actually thought kind of from one and two, I was feeling like, oh, it's it's a comedy and it's relatively 
kind of focused on on certain areas and then actually by the time they've sort of bring in the brother and and his situation and some of the other stuff um actually it's a, it's almost a really good comedy drama and actually I, I liked it kind of more the more it went on and and brought in some of that stuff so it actually took me a while to kind of catch up with it um and I don't know because partly but one of the one of the sort of the scribbled notes I made for the the first couple of episodes is do I, do I relate to this? Was I am I either not uh, am I either not cool enough to to feel like I relate to this as that point in my life, or God forbid, actually probably wasn't cool enough the first time round to have uh, <laughs> to have been that cool. But then as it as it built and didn't just become about the fact that you know she's a, a woman in her thirties and uh, and she drinks a lot and her life's a bit of a mess. Uh, I got more and more into it. And I, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I find it really funny that um, you're describing it as being cool because um, that was about <laughs> the furthest thing from my mind when I was watching it because it, obviously it really resonated with me and not because I was like, God, I was cool <laughs> back then. <laughs> Quite the opposite, I would say. <laughs> but it's, it's interesting, as you were saying before, Sarah, this will, this will clearly be pigeonholed as a female comedy um, with a female lead written written by her um in a way that the male equivalent wouldn't be yeah you know you 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 know there are going to be there are going to be men out there who won't watch this because it doesn't feel like it's talking about their lives yet women for decades have been watching i don't know seinfeld or whatever seinfeld yeah (laughs) yeah absolutely absolutely agree and i think um there's so and even women you hear women say things like I don't really like women stand-ups because I just don't think they're as funny you know it's not it's not just um a male perception that I think it's a more general perception that um that comedy isn't necessarily you know for women um or comedy Mm. by women isn't as funny or is more niche (laughs) There's definitely there's definitely a privilege thing, isn't there? That you put it into the the what's what's this comedian's thing, and it's not generally that they're surreal or sarcastic or whatever. They go, their thing is that they're a woman. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the fact that we're talking about this pretty much sums it up. You know, we wouldn't be talking about this if it was a, a male led uh, comedy. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and I think I think that was maybe probably on an unconscious level part of what I found so appealing about it, and also the fact that she wasn't. Because we've seen, um, you know, ridiculous women before falling over and being Bridget Jones or whatever um, in comedies. But I think the difference here was Marcella was genuinely funny and knew it. So it wasn't just that things happened to her and she was sort of the butt of the jokes. Um, she was a well-rounded character. She she had mates. She had, um, you know, a life. She had agency. Um she made a fool of herself, but also she she made jokes on her own terms as well. Um, so she just yeah. Felt quite you you, well you watch her with her friends. You watch her with her friends, and she's the funny one. Um, yeah. yeah, definitely. You know, I think that's. I think yeah. That, yeah, that is really so interesting. It, it wasn't like she wasn't a pathetic character, although things happened that were suboptimal um, in her life. <laughs> <laughs> um, she, I felt you didn't. It didn't cross the line into um, her being a, a pitiful character at all, um, which I liked. 
Yeah, I I, th- I wonder if that's where I was worried it was going to go after the the uh, the pilot where they cram a lot of her life being a car crash into that and and the early episodes. I was thinking, oh, that's is that what this is? Is this is this just someone who? Because I think almost ironically, we've seen that character of the person who hasn't quite grown up to what they thought a thirty year old was um, in with with male characters. We've seen that a load of times, and I was sort of thinking, oh, is it another one of these? Uh, but actually, there there was a load more to it. I think as you as it sort of moves through and it develops some of the drama around it as well. Yeah, yeah. So since I since watching Game Face, um, I've I've become hooked on Crazy Ex Girlfriend, which in many ways feels like a US equivalent. It's a very different um, show. It's a musical for a start, uh, and we'll definitely do an episode on that in, in the future. But um, it's it deals with some very similar issues. Uh, there's a there's a woman. She's she is. Uh, in Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, the lead is, is far more conventionally successful. She's been to Harvard and got a law degree and a successful lawyer. Um, but she she ha- she suffers from mental health issues and, uh, you know, her life isn't turning out the way she expects. And then it also it deals with kind of sometimes base jokes that suit women more. And I think, I think so does Game Face. So I think the whole thing about it being a female comedy is interesting because the kind of the, the toilet humor is just slightly different in those two comedies compared to the toilet humor you would get in men behaving badly, for example. Yeah, I think, I think that's really true. And I think basically, I think watching it, Marcella reminds me of my filthiest, most hilarious girlfriends. So the ones where we'll like do something ridiculously embarrassing and then we'll die laughing about it. And it's quite a particular female sort of relationship um, in that you can be open with each other, perhaps in a way that you wouldn't be in a mixed group. Um, And I just thought she summed that up really well and probably in a way that I hadn't seen before, actually. Mm, Because I I had a... a just your point around how she she interacts with her friends and so on because i kind of felt myself thinking oh actually i i you can almost you can tell it is written by her rather than just something that that a bloke has written and put her in uh because actually i think it's a bit like the stuff that's going around on twitter about male writers writing female characters and they can be doing anything and then they'll go and then they had come to bed eyes and they spent time admiring <laughs> yeah. their figure in the mirror and all this sort of thing <laughs> whereas actually i think guys and this might be well it literally is a, a generalization but guys don't write girls who talk about needing a poo yeah <laughs> yeah and, and and one of the funniest uh, things and this perhaps says more about me, but the, I think the funniest scene in in Game Face was uh, was when she has those gastric issues and she desperately <laughs> needs to visit the bathroom and she can't get in there. And I think and that was just like so that. brilliantly done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. And a male writer, you're absolutely right, Paul. I think a male writer would not have uh, would not have written that for a female character. But I think I think it's interesting as well that the show appears to have come from a similar place. Uh, you know, last episode we were talking about Seinfeld. Seinfeld was a comedian, a stand-up comedian who got picked up by a network to do a sitcom. And this is, appears to be what's happened here. Roisin Conaty, fairly successful stand-up, doing, doing a lot of panel shows for years in the UK, now offered a, a sitcom. And it's interesting that the British comedy occasionally seems to be doing things like that. Lee Mack, another example of that, with not going out. Is, is it autobiographical? Does anyone know? Because I haven't... I think it is to a degree. So I read um, an interview with her after she'd made this 
where she's talking about um, sort of her her circumstances at the beginning of her 30s when she was trying to make it. She wasn't getting anywhere. She had no money. Um, and she says she had a real turning point when a friend said, you know, maybe she just give it up. Um, and she sort of realized she couldn't do that because it wasn't just an ambition. It was more like a psychosis. She described it as wanting to be a comedian. Um, and so I think there is an element of, um, yeah, of um, it being autobiographical. Um, I think as well, it just feels like it is, doesn't it? It feels like yeah. not all of those situations, but some of them, it's like you've lived that or you're a close friend has and, um, you know, there's real feeling there, I think. Yeah. And I, and I thought as well, because it was interesting, because even at the point where I wasn't really enjoying it to, kind of towards the start, some of the stuff that I really did enjoy was related to her, her Roisin Connolly playing the part uh, like the acting of it, so I, I thought she was very good at that, and the fact that the, that Marcella, the character, is kind of not just a jobbing comedian but a jobbing actor, um, and some of the stuff that she does, like where she's, where there's one scene where she's trying to pretend to cry, uh, and she's got the onion <laughs> yeah. in her pocket, and and she just does this sort of bizarre performance of the line and ends up getting <laughs> yeah. the part and stuff like that. And I, I think both her physical comedy, so the stuff she can kind of do with her, her face, but also just like her acting side of it, even when I wasn't really enjoying the the, the show as, as, a, as, a, as a thing as a whole, I really enjoyed that. And I think that got kind of, yeah, more more into that as it went through. So I, I do wonder whether, uh, that's kind of why I asked the question, I wondered if she'd kind of been doing sort of aiming to be uh, an actress more generally as well, or whether it had always been stand-up, because I thought that was that was a real strength of it for me. Yeah, and I, I wonder whether as an alternative view to that is that by making it a slightly different, you know, it allows her to have a bit more distance from the character. It's quite, stand-up is itself a, a very soul-bearing thing, but to write an autobiographical sitcom, especially one that deals with really difficult periods in life and mental illness and, and, and failures in your own career is very um it's really very much bearing your soul so so i think it makes sense to to make the character a little different certainly not to have the same name for example it's not like seinfeld was a was a story about his failures as a stand-up so he could get away with being himself whereas i think i think for this to work in any comfortable way for rushing connerty she has to make the character somewhat different from herself yeah, because Seinfeld's a successful comedian from episode one, isn't he? That's that's right. Whereas, and I think I think as well, if you portray some of it as her being a stand-up and things going wrong, you're inviting people to do that at your stand-up gigs to an extent. People will try and recreate whatever ludicrous situation you show them and think that they're helping. Just one comment on the therapist, um, who I thought was excellent actually, um, and I thought all of those scenes were just really, really well done and kind of played in quite a. Um, it felt real but also just excruciating um, <laughs> in a way that I really enjoyed particularly um, I don't know if you remember when there was the clay model of a person on a chair yes <laughs> um, and yeah, that he, was my best bit of it I think <laughs> um, yeah when when he asked uh, Marcella to sort of pretend that this figure was, was her brother and then the head fell off and smashed and, <laughs> um, and he replaced it with a cactus um, and then, then he and, has a really big go at it, doesn't it? He says, you're, you're my anti-Pauline and you're a horrible person. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and, and so you kind of see the relationship with those two. It's, you know, it's hard to tell who's sort of counselling who 
um, at quite a lot of points. But I just thought it was really well done, as well as being a really clever um, way of, you know, getting the exposition out there. Um, I just really enjoyed those scenes. And it, it was quite good to make the therapist an idiot as well, because, again, your point about not trying to make the power dynamics so she's a loser or the butt of the jokes, having having the guy who's supposed to be helping her with the difficult bits of her life being actually far worse <laughs> in yeah. his sort of status than her probably works quite well. Um, yeah, I think that's a really good point, actually, that she um, shows even more how sane she is um, in relation to him, <laughs> I think, um, during their sessions. Yes. Um, <laughs> there was one in particular when, um, let me remember... Uh, when she was sort of talking about her, uh, it was some appalling bit when she was, you know, her brother was, um, had yet again, like, gone back on drugs and then her ex-husband yeah. had come round and tried to sleep with her and all of that. Um, and the therapist sort of interrupted and asked something like, what bus did you get to get here today? And she was like, that cannot be the thing that you take from what I've just told you. Um, and I just thought it was, it was exactly what you're saying. It really showed that you know she wasn't the mad one actually um and yeah, she yeah, yeah although she was sometimes a butt of the joke she certainly wasn't a laughing stock um which was was good it it never feels like she's there because actually she needs therapy it feels like she's there because her mum's disappointed in her and has bought her this group on for therapy that she yeah. now feels obliged to go to it's important to note they're, they're not a therapist they're not a psychotherapist they're a life coach so it yes, is just yeah, some, yeah. it's just some guy who's set up <laughs> I, I I loved uh, the dramatic sort of thread of her mum being constantly disappointed. I it it genuinely took me uh, till halfway through her appearances to realise that the mum was Mrs Doyle. Really? Uh, probably, <laughs> yeah. Was it Geraldine McLynn? Is that the the actress's name? Yeah, I think so. But yeah, I, I, all the stuff with with her and sort of the phone calls with her mum and the stuff that was going on with what the cat gets up to in the mum's house, but yeah. also. Kind of, I enjoyed all of that, but I really enjoyed sort of the ongoing thread of her mum being disappointed. So when they when they're going to pick up uh, Simon, the brother from rehab, uh, and and the mum bollocks him for taking loads of cocaine, and then bollocks her because she's not brushed her hair. <laughs> yeah. How did you feel the the season ended? Because um, I I kind of I was getting well into it. I was binge watching it, and then it it kind of just ended for me. It, there was it didn't. It didn't feel like the plot wound up or there was a cliffhanger or anything. Yeah, so how did it end? Did she she went on a date with the um the driving instructor in the end, didn't she? So I I, th- I think the date was sort of halfway through and then more stuff happened. Um, That's but I'm sure right. But I mean, I, th- I thought the slow build with him was great, by the way, because it's one of those things where you think normally you kind of hang a big thing off it so much that oh well all right they're gonna get together whereas actually it didn't it didn't seem like that was a a done deal from from the start and it got to the stage where i am someone who who watched friends and they had to re-watch it a lot of times uh because my wife really really loves it uh and i will have never did never will never give a shit about whether ross and rachel actually end up together it's incidental to the actual funny stuff to me whereas i was vaguely interested in this which is as far as i'm concerned a triumph yeah, what what does but what does happen at the end? <laughs> I th- so I think actually what happened was she was going to go on a date with him, and didn't she have to leave it to go to that um, intervention that they had with her brother? Oh uh, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. right. Yeah, um, and then there was her premiere. Um, 
and he had someone else with him at that, I think. But I felt like it was very... There's, there's, definitely, like, another, there's definitely another series in it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I think it's not the last we've seen of John and Marcella, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so it's interesting... Um, you know, we're gonna we're gonna through this uh, podcast. We're gonna look at some US sitcoms, some UK sitcoms. Um, it's very interesting how even even as kind of the the genres have, have melded together a little bit, the length of series, the length of seasons, as they call it in America, is uh, is still very different. So, a British sitcom. This was a classic six episode British sitcom, and, and for me, that that. It's quite restrictive, I think. Uh, it requires a very tight plot, uh, and an awful lot happens in a very short amount of time, whereas uh, a typical US sitcom could be 20, 22 episodes long. It sounds like you've gone native, Rob. Well, yeah. Well, I, I, no, I, I think there are, there are strengths to both. I think, I think it leads to some very, very tight writing. You know, if you think about The Office, um, Blackadder, Faulty Towers, the classic British sitcoms are able to achieve an, an awful lot even good good plots over the course of six episodes and sometimes just 12 episodes in total ever whereas yeah. that would be halfway through the first season of 12 seasons of of uh, of, a, of a US sitcom i mean when the office moved to the US it it did that it had long seasons and it went on for about eight or nine of them i think it's in, it's interesting to think about kind of Seinfeld because the first two or three series of Seinfeld you could have jumbled those up those episodes into any order because everything basically resets you could you could have made you know ostensibly you could have made season one of Seinfeld infinitely long um as long as there are things that you can observe you can keep doing it whereas once it got into the series where sort of early on he throws his watch in a bin because it doesn't work and then the rest of the series basically builds on what happens because he threw that watch away and various other things. And then and then and then it's and then it's great in a different way because you can build it so slowly that basically all the little snowballs start going down the mountain and by the end you've got an avalanche. Um whereas yeah you've got to you've got to sort of um yeah you've got you've got to get that re you've got to do that really well to hit that over six episodes. And I thought that 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 definitely did do this because by the end of it the, the situation has really moved on and it's never felt like you've suddenly gone in and, oh, oh God, everything's changed since last week. It was pretty natural. But like the, the situation Marcel is in by the end of the series is very, very different from what it is at the start. Yeah. I think that um, the way that we watch TV now with, you know, all of us watching everything on demand and you can watch three or four episodes easily in a setting, um, I think the the UK format kind of suffers for that because um, you could almost watch the full series of of this um, almost without thinking about it and in an hour and a half or whatever it's it's all done um, and I think probably if you were watching it in the traditional way where you were waiting every every week for the next half hour instalment of it um, it would feel even though it would still be the same number of episodes. Um, a bit fuller um, but I feel sometimes like I just watch stuff so fast binge it um, and probably don't get as much from it as I would um, if I was taking it a bit more slowly and I feel that's what I did with Game Face here is, um, is it, it ended almost unexpectedly for me because perhaps I have gone native and watched too much American comedy in the last couple of years and I, I just wasn't anticipating that it would end after six episodes I thought we were you know a quarter of the way through the season at that point yeah 
Have you ever watched episodes? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I have. At the beginning of that, they deal with the the, the premise of it is that uh, a, a successful UK sitcom and the writing team for that, uh, they've been... Uh, the rights have been bought to create a US version of it. So they go off to, off to LA uh, and meet Matt LeBlanc and they um, uh, and they they convert their sitcom. And it's really interesting in those early first couple of episodes of episodes where they uh, discuss the, the compromises they're having to make in order to turn it into a US sitcom. You know, they're, ha- they're, having, they're having to introduce love interests just so that something can be dragged out for 22 episodes, potentially for 22 episodes over eight seasons. Um, it's, it's interesting. Um, I think there are compromises that have to be made to, to do that. And, and as Paul was saying, you do end up with a lot more, a lot of comedies where they have a lot of standalone episodes. If I think of uh, Modern Family over here, similar lengths of seasons. Um, and again, they've probably been going for 10 seasons now. Each episode is a little standalone plot. Uh, yes, everything is, is moving over time inevitably because it's about a family that's growing up from from having young kids to now adult kids. But um, each episode could be taken out of context and watched and enjoyed. And I'm not sure you could pick up an episode of Game Face out of context with the rest of the season and enjoy that in the same way. No, probably not. No, it, it's, it's, it's definitely kind of part drama. There's definitely jokes that would still be funny. But, um, but I think you're kind of only enjoying half of, of what it's got to offer. Some bit, I mean, some bits of it will be funny whenever you watch it. I think my favourite joke in the whole thing was when she'd sort of accidentally slept with her ex uh, and had to make up some new moves. Uh, and, and, and the fact that the, the only new move she she came up with was just slapping him in the balls. And I, and I, I thought that was so well done in the programme because it, it, they kind of almost did it four times and developed it because there had definitely been... There are bits where, because it does this way of telling the story that cuts from something and it shows you the flashback when she's talking to the therapist or it shows you the flashback to when she was drunk or whatever it is, but it's the fact that she said it and you were expecting a flashback when she said that's the new move she invented and you don't get one and you think, okay, well, that's still pretty funny. And then later on you get kind of part of the flashback. You get like just a second of of something happening in the moment and then the third time it happens you actually see what happens and I think that's so that's so much to get out of of, uh, of that one joke Game Face is available on For On Demand in the UK and from Hulu in the USA don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Between Laughs Facebook.com slash Between The Laughs or you can even email us at Between The Laughs at gmail.com to let us know what you thought about uh, Game Face uh, before we go it's time for Round two of the Sitcom World Cup. Uh, in a damning indictment of our seeding system, two American comedy juggernauts of the 90s have been drawn together in this early round, and only one of them uh, can progress to the next round. It's going to be Friends versus Frasier. Sarah, what do you think? Um, I think the cool answer is probably Frasier, but I think I prefer Friends. As a uh, geeky, clever, well-behaved kid of the uh of my youth uh i'm definitely gonna go with frazier because i just ah ah it's just oh yeah i there's no no having yeah i i think even the thing that i am least likely to like about a sitcom being 
is Ross going to go out with Rachel? Is uh, are Niles and Daphne going to get together? Albeit it all went downhill when they did, but the whole them not getting together was a lot more interesting than the than the friends one. Uh, and there uh, are uh, uh, I just I love it because I like to think that I'm clever, uh, and watching Frasier makes me feel like I am. <laughs> um, I guess I get the deciding vote here um, but this is a bit of a poor choice on my part because I've not seen that much Fraser I've, I've seen a few episodes of it whereas I've seen probably every episode of Friends deliberately probably twice and and accidentally on, on Channel 4 on a Sunday morning about 12 other times um, I do I do like Fraser I do think it's it's clever but I, I, I'm voting for Friends Yay! <laughs> So Friends Ooh. goes through to the next round. Frasier, I'm afraid, is on the first flight home. And they'll be <laughs> p- pelted with eggs as they arrive back at the airport. 2-1. Toss salads right. and scrambled eggs, I assume. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Cool. That right. would mean nothing to you, Rob. What, what did you say? <laughs> uh, toss salads and scrambled eggs. Toss salads and scrambled the, eggs. What's the, that? Those are the uh, eggs you'll be pelted with. Kelsey Grammer thing sings oh, the the end theme, which is yeah. him singing a song about he doesn't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs for a reason I've probably never truly understood, but it is funny. Well, anyway, thanks for having a tie on a sitcom where I'd never seen it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's my own stupid fault for choosing those. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or whichever podcasting tool you use. Bye. 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 Bye.